Hi, this is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to this Disney at Play podcast. The third this week, by the way, I know I told you, I promised you I would make up for the fact that I've been a little less in the last few weeks, and oh, there's so many things to talk about. And today, well, I announced in a post and podcast back in December, six missing Disney Resort Hotel options. One of them was announced this week. Disney Vacation Club will build additional villas at Disney's Polynesian Village Resort. We look at the announcement and then discuss the pros and cons of this edition, as well as the general response. This edition means that we're saying goodbye to the Luau, which has practically been here since opening day. We'll look at its history and its heritage. We'll also have a chance to talk about a recent uh, visit to Ohana. Ohana currently means family dining, and we'll look at that experience and how that uh, dining opportunity went. So join us in this tropical hideaway as we explore Disney's Polynesian Village Resort. By the way, mahalo. Thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. Make sure you check out disneyatplay.com where we're gonna have a lot of visuals from uh, the uh, from what we're gonna talk about today. And, and then also some links and other things and uh, invitations to join the Wayfinder Society, which is our uh, Patreon group for those of you who enjoy these podcasts and wanna help contribute to its ongoing uh, activities. Well, let me just begin by announcing the DVC edition and um, and kind of going through that release. And then we'll talk a little bit about the pros and cons of all this. On March 15th, they uh, made an announcement. Today, Disney Vacation Club announced proposed plans to develop new Disney Vacation Club villas at the Walt Disney World Resort. Let me just... Um, Stop right there. Back in 2013, they announced uh, a DVC expansion, which I think opened in 2015. Those um, villas and bungalows were essentially a remodeling of two existing buildings. I think uh, one of them is uh, Morea and the other is Pago Pago. And they were all converted into deluxe studios. They also added 20 over-the-water uh, Bora Bora bungalows uh, as well. So um, that was, and that, besides being out on the water with the Bora Bora, the other two were kind of on the far eastern side of the property. Now, this announcement comes with, um, with, uh, expectations that this is all going to occur more on the western side of the Polynesian Village Resort property. It goes on to say, it's no secret that our members and guests love the monorail resorts at Walt Disney World, said Bill Dickerson, Senior Vice President and General Manager of Disney Vacation Club. Expanding our Disney Vacation Club offerings at the Polynesian would give our members and guests yet another incredible option for staying close to the magic while making vacation memories that last a lifetime. End of quote. Let me just talk about that. It's absolutely true. People love being off the monorail. And if you go back to 
um, my po post and podcast back in December, you'll see that three of the options that I talk about, maybe four, are monorail, kind of the fourth is kind of a monorail possibility depending on where you put it, but three are monorail options and they're missing the opportunity, particularly not on the Magic Kingdom monorail line, resort line, but on the Epcot. There is no hotel off the Epcot monorail line and there is plenty of line. Um, on that. So they're missing opportunities because guests do love being on the monorail line. Well, anyway, going on, they say, inspired by the early concepts for Disney's Polynesian Village Resort, the Imagineers of today are honoring the past while furthering the resort story with this innovative addition. Projected to open in late 2024, the proposed vacation ownership property would complement the existing resort and evoke the spirit of uh, the Pacific Islands. And I have an image of that on, again, Disney at play.com. You'll show you the original concept for a tower. And people, by the way, have complained about this new tower looking kind of Marriottish. Well, you should have seen the original tower. It really looked like a standard Disney hotel. But again, it was part of the original design um, to do that with those who who created um, that look and feel. Now, it didn't ever get built, but it again um, suggests that a tower was always a possibility in the making. And that's what we're seeing here. So that's what they mean by the, when they say they're inspired by early concepts for the Disney Village, Polynesian Village Resort. And while this image doesn't necessarily show hanging gardens coming down, um, other images did, and you will see that play out in uh, in the new version uh, that they are building. And by the way, it's not nearly the height um, as the original thing. The original thing was what? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, about eleven, maybe twelve floors. This one is is not is half of that. Um, Situated on the shores of the Seven Seas Lagoon, the proposed property would join the rest of the resort in offering stunning views of the Magic Kingdom. Proposed plans would offer additional rooms, new recreation offerings, and dining options. More information and project details will be shared at a later date. By the way, they had announced that the luau would formally go away previous to the announcement of this. So there was no... So there was no surprise about in December when I was thinking about it, I was taking the cue from the original design, which suggested more of the tower being in um, the parking lot, kind of in front of the main entrance. And with the main entrance um, additions that were done to, uh, to the front of Disney's Polynesian um, Village um, Resort, it, it almost seemed... Uh, possible but this is actually a better a better place to put it the only problem is is well you're losing the luau and we'll talk about that in a minute since 2015 disney polynesian villages villas and bungalows have been a favorite resort destination offering an island paradise in the middle of the magic disney's polynesian village and villas and bungalows currently has 380 disney vacation clubs including the largest deluxe studios of at any Disney Vacation Club resort at Walt Disney World. And unique two-bedroom Bora Bora bungalows 
located over the waters of the Seven Seas Lagoon, the first of their kind at Disney. What, what makes uh, the largest deluxe studios is that they utilize the previous longhouses and those original hotel rooms, both at the Contemporary and Polynesian, were very large rooms compared to what you see um, currently in most hotels, at least most hotels on Disney Resort property. Now, let me just talk a little bit about pluses and minuses to this whole announcement. First off, I think this adds needed capacity. There is demand to stay at Disney's Polynesian Resort, and there's seldom a lot of availability. This will create new kinds of availability. Maybe not the availability you want, but it will offer new availability. It also will add some rooming options not offered before. Again, the bungalows were kind of patterned after, um, those villas were patterned after after the bungalows. This, um, or the longhouses, um, this is going to follow probably more of the traditional uh, look and feel that many D Disney Vacation Club properties um, have. Uh, um, another plus will be uh, they will probably have a premium dining experience at the hotel. What we do know um, is if you look carefully at the image, you'll see that there is a fairly large terraced restaurant at the bottom in the corner of the hotel. Uh, looks like a lot of exterior dining, which is a little bit of a flag because again, we live in a pretty hot and humid area and you're really not, it's not a space you want. You also see that on the top, there is a big space up there. Is that gonna be a little bit more like the monorail bar um, at, um, at um uh at the lake buena uh, uh um uh the dvl dvc properties at the contemporary or is that possibly a dining location it seems to me that they could benefit from both but we'll have to see um there will pro there will be i'm i'm absolutely sure of it and you do see that from the corner of the view an additional pool area. It kind of has a falls going into it. Um, and I'm sure that they will add an additional pool because I don't think guests are going to want to go staying on that property in that tower are going to want to go all the way over to the volcano pool, which would be the closest. So I'm sure that they are adding another pool to the resort as shown in the, in the diagram. And there'll probably be other add-ons, which they've alluded to. One of which would be uh, just some revisions being done to the main um, property. There is a building. It, it included the Neverland Club and then whatever was, uh, was it um, uh, Lilo's Club or something like that. Um, it was themed after Lilo and Stitch, but it was a children's play area. I, but the other part of that used to be what is Tangaroa Terrace at the time in the old days. And it frankly was kind of the, um, the spillover for dining because there was just not enough dining in the ceremonial house and even with the luau. And so I'm imagining 
uh, that there's a great opportunity to do something with that space. In my view, they need to do a spa. If you think about um, Alani, their spa is, uh, I've not been to it, but I've heard stellar things about that spa. It seems like there's a real opportunity there. Although, uh, admittedly, uh, being in those towers over there, you'd be closer to the Grand Floridian Spa. And I don't know how well utilized that facility is. Um, but it seems to me that there are some additional opportunities for resort amenities in all of this. So there's some positives to all of this. There are also some minuses. Um, some don't like the fact that it doesn't look like the traditional longhouses that you see on the rest of the resort property. Some feel that have even criticized it to say, this looks like that uh, lakeside thing that was going over at Fort Wilderness, which has been postponed indefinitely. Um, I don't, I don't think that's the case. I don't think if you look in it, there are, there are mm, tropical associated designs with the hotel to call it just a standard Marriott or something very standard looking. I don't think is appropriate. There are kind of the, uh, hanging gardens features in it. There are some, what seems to be open areas with gardens in it. There is, um, some patterns on the walls that are going with it, kind of an, uh, a palm arch covering outside. There's several things that suggest um, some, some touches that, that deal with, I don't think it's just um, a standard uh, hotel building. I think Disney's gonna do better than that. Um, a DVC room, which is what it's going to have. It's all not going to be hotel rooms, just going to be Disney Vacation Club rooms. For non-DVC guests, they're a little harder to get to. Um, they they come first serve to uh, DVC, uh, those with DVC points. And believe me, for the next several years, that will be very popular. Although maybe being able to get into the DVC bungalows on the other side may be a little bit more uh, doable. So we'll have to see, but that is kind of a minus if you're not a DVC member. Uh, I should say that the resort monorail is already full of a lot of guests. And, uh, and now we're adding even more rooms onto the resort monorail. That too is a little bit of a flag. I think this is also, however, a good opportunity to relook at the marina and think about maybe larger boats or more frequent boats going to and from because honestly the boat the boat goes well for currently the boat usually goes from magic kingdom to grand floridian to polynesian and then back again honestly what they need to do is they need to run a polynesian boat and a floridian boat and they need to keep that going more often and and if you do it sometimes you can get to the magic kingdom almost uh, faster than you can uh, depending on your timing if you're taking that boat. Um, so at uh, any rate, they need to attend to the transportation issues. In my view, if they wanted to make this hotel a real winner, they should put a pool on top of the tower. I don't think there's anything cooler, nor would be anything more popular than to have a pool on top and to be able to have an infinity style a uh, pool that would allow you to look over the Seven Seas Lagoon and beyond to the Magic Kingdom. What 
how cool that would be. Um, I think that's a missed opportunity. I don't think that's happening. But if if I were to make one change to that building, it would be put a pool on top. I'm not sure how they're going to address the parking. Parking is already, in my opinion, very tight at Polynesia, especially the further west you get in there. Uh, now, they are they have been remodeling Floridian Way, which is the road that kind of runs on one on the western side of it, past the Grand Floridian, the Wedding Pavilion, and then Polynesian. And I think they're taking out portions of some of the holes on the Magnolia Golf Course. They're modifying those to kind of make more space. Hopefully, uh, they'll they'll have more space in it. Um, one thing that I I really hope and Disney, if anybody can figure out how to do this, it's Disney. They are really good at this. But there is something called um, a figler tree. Well, it it's a uh, it's uh, a strangler fiddler tree is what it's called. And it is this beautiful tree with hanging vines um, that can be found on the, um, on the property. And I, I think it is, um, I think it is a beautiful tree. Now Disney does have the capacity to move these kinds of trees. By the way, there's a sign for it. It's the, the, this tree stands right near the entrance to the luau. It says the strangler fig is one of the most curious and interesting trees here at Disney's Polynesian Resort. It sprouted from a bird's nest and is overtaking its host, the Savile Palm. Um, it will, after a long period of time, kill the host by covering it with too much shade or encircling the trunk and prevent it from expanding. The host is often a sable palm because it has a fibrous crisscross pattern of old leaf bases around the trunk, which are ideal for the fig to root in. Strangler figs can be planted directly. It sounds like a really mean tree, but it is, it is an amazing and beautiful and haunting tree. Strangler figs can be planted directly in the ground, but generally will not grow as tall. This tree is protected from freezing temperatures every winter with portable diesel heaters and a large surrounding canopy. Um, I, I just think it's a fascinating tree. I hate to see it lost. It needs to be moved. Um, and it's part of the amazing horticulture there at, at Disney's uh, Polynesian Resort. So I hope that they are able to um, address that. The final thing that is probably the biggest minus is that we're going to be saying goodbye to the luau, which has just been a staple. It's been a mainstay of Walt Disney World for nearly 50 years. Um, to give you, and so let's, let's, uh, let's talk about the luau for a moment. Let's have a chance to say goodbye to it. The luau takes its heritage from Disneyland's original Tahitian Terrace. That is what is now uh, the tropical hideaway at Disneyland. It used to be this uh, space between the Enchanted Tiki Room and the Jungle Cruise. And it was a fantastically designed space. It had a tree um, that has a story in and of itself, but, a, but in the same way you have a Swiss family treehouse that is a as a created tree. They created this tree with a big, big art, um, 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 surrounding to it, a leaf uh, uh, shade structure to kind of house 
where the the band played they had this waterfall that came down and allowed the dancers to come in and out of the waterfall it was just enchanted it really was a very cool um luau and i spent i have pictures of it and i i we went to it it seemed to be the choice of my parents they wanted to go to the luau that seemed special now the luau at disneyland was very different they kind of moved you in and out within like 75 minutes uh the dining choices were not um sweet and sour seemed to be the thing i remember sweet and uh sweet and sour meatballs seemed to be the thing i remember from the menu it was a sponsor for many years by Stouffer's. It was not a stellar menu, um, but the price was really good. And you got to see this amazing show. And in, in the time period you were there, even if it were only 75 minutes, they, I mean, tell you, they just gave you a show. They gave you a great show. So clearly, now that they've moved to Walt Disney World and they've created an entire resort that's based on Polynesia, it only makes sense to have a luau in fact um on the opening of walt disney world when they had the press event I, they didn't even have the structure um luau cove is what it's called they just actually set up tables uh along the beach and i think on the first night they ended up having a storm come through it wasn't uh conducive and so and if it ever has been really conducive i mean their shelter structure of the luau cove has helped a lot, but you still can have some very cold nights or very hot and humid days. You can still have thunderstorms that you may be safe from the shade, but it's it's creating a noise around the band. And and uh, if you end up going to and from, you're getting wet and so forth. It just, there was hits and misses with Luau Cove, to be very honest. The show changed names over the years. Um, the Polynesian Review was I from what I could tell the original name of the show. In fact, um, from the 1988 Birnbaum Guide, we read about this dinner show in its heyday. Quote, the Polynesian Review at the Polynesian Village, a.k.a. the Luau, presented nightly at 6.45 p.m. and 9.30 p.m., also has its moments. Let me just stop there and say, has its moments is not a great way to say, wow, this is an incredible show. But it did note that it has its moments. The performers dancing is some of the most authentic this side of Hawaii's well-respected Polynesian cultural center, where many of the Walt Disney World dancers have studied. A full Polynesian-style meal, including frozen pina coladas and a wonderful new chocolate ice cream and raspberry dessert concoction, is served. Cost? is about $23.50 for adults, $14 for children. Uh, that kind of gives you a sense that, that, again, I don't think they ever really got the menu to being something that eating in and of itself was why you went to the luau. It was never about the food. It was about the show. And they did a great job presenting the show. But luau's, you know, you got only so much time. You had other competition for shows uh, on or off property. Uh, I don't think anything has ever come as close as Hoop to Do as a great dinner show, but there were other dinner shows out there. There were name changes over the years, which suggests that they had to keep refreshing it. Mickey's Tropical Review 
uh, and then Luau, it was named both at some different times, came around somewhere in the 90s, I believe. It was eventually called the Spirit of Aloha with kind of a story attached to it. I think Cuz was moving on to college or something. I can't remember, but it, it and Stitch was somewhere in that show at some point when Stitch was popular. It just it just felt like um it just felt like they were making a statement that the Polynesian that the that the that the performers dancing the the review itself was not enough. So we're gonna have to add characters to it. Which basically says to me, if you have to add characters to it, there's something wrong with the review to begin with. And, and it just never, and then the price kept going up, it kept going up, and it kept going up to a point where you're going, okay, I'm going to pay $50, $60 to take my family per person to this thing? It just seemed a lot. Now, at the same time in 98, um, we get the Festival of the Lion King. And why I mentioned to that is because the thing they added to the Festival of the Lion King, which is so cool, is a fire dancer. Most of these fire dancers have roots in Polynesian or actually have family roots among the dancers that and, and, the, and the cast that has been in the Polynesian Review for so many years. And these were incredible young, these, some of these kids, and I've known some of them, some of them have won international competitions as the best fire dancers. But again, you're saying, okay, the best fire dancer is now free or as part of the ticket going to Disney's Animal Kingdom when you see the Festival of the Lion King show. The fire dancer was always the highlight of the luau at the end. You always put the fire dancer at the end. So why do I need to go and see another fire dancer, which should be the most impressive thing anyway, at the luau? You start seeing this, and then you add the price to it, and then you add the food, which was meh, that type of thing. And at the same time, there was better food. There, was, there were better shows. Uh, there was better pricing elsewhere. And so you just kind of said, wow, for, for the price, am I really getting the bang for my buck? And I got to say, now I paid, I paid a higher dollar to go to a luau at um, the Polynesian Cultural Center. And if you have not been to the Polynesian Cultural Center, let me just say everything else is pretty, hmm, afterwards. By the way, also, I've known a lot of the cast over the years, and a lot of times we've had church socials where they came and performed, and we had church luau's and that type. Of, I've been inundated with luau's by the very best of the best of the best over the years, and but it just kind of left me going, why would I pay for this at Disney if I'm going to pay for it? I had to I had to go somewhere where it is really impressive. And when authenticity is an issue, when inclusion is an issue, when a luau feels as fake as a polyester lay or a plastic lay, you just, if you're going to do that, go see it where it really is impressive. And that, my friend, is the Polynesian Cultural Center. You, there is something that, that luau and that food, and it comes at a hefty price, but it's part of the whole experience there. 
that's where you want to go do that thing if you want to do that thing. So, in the, and at Disney recognized that there were some challenges, particularly on the menu side of this. They did not see advantages of elevating the menu because people were still booking it. Now, mind you, in the latter years of it all, um, I would dare say that bookings, you could often find uh, availability for the 9.30 show. But then again, there's the problem. And I think at certain points or during certain times of the years, they got into three shows a night. But again, who wants to eat at 9.30 at night? Um, I know people there are that do that, but by and large, it just wasn't conducive to, to the whole experience. So any rate, Disney recognizing that they needed a finer dining experience created Ohana. Ohana came in the mid 90s. And they took a previous, I, I don't even want to say the Pape, P-A-P-E-E-E, lounge and restaurant. And they took that space, which has this amazing, beautiful view looking over Seven Seas Lagoon toward the Magic Kingdom. They took this space and they created something called Ohana. Now, if you've been to Ohana, you're going to, and you've been to a lot of restaurants, you're probably going to say, this is kind of like a Brazilian steakhouse done Polynesian style. And guess what? You'd be right. Because the individual who really established this restaurant and made a name for it, uh, who came on board at Disney to make this happen was Ronaldo Camargo. And his roots are in Brazil and his culinary expertise is doing this kind of thing. And he made this thing come alive. And uh, and I have done Ohana many times over the years because actually when I did Disney Institute programs, we designed it to actually do lunch at Ohana at a time when lunch wasn't even done in Ohana. We created, by the way, we are also the first to create lunch experiences at at um at California Grill too, but so we were doing lunches and the whole signature idea of this thing was to come along with these big skewers and to slice off this meat and and it you just have this feast of of great uh, flavors and meats and and it's very exciting and um, so I was excited to join uh, one of our groups to go do this. Now, the bad, I don't want to say the bad news, but the reality of it is, is we're still coming off of um, Ohana, or I mean, not Ohana, COVID, I'm sorry. We're still coming off of COVID. And as a result, um, the, um, the dining has changed and they're not coming around with skewers. Let me let me first say this. When you are seated, the fantastic thing about it is they have spaced the tables considerably. And the last time I was there about seven, eight years ago, the tables were almost mess room style. They were just literally next to each other down long rows. And it was not it was not an enjoyable experience. We were crushed together with other people. Because of COVID, the good news is you're a lot more spaced apart. And I really appreciate that and enjoyed that. Um, and so what do you get for your $55 per adult, $33 per child, plus tax and gratuity? First of all, you get 
um, a mixed green salad with a citrus vinaigrette. Um, not bad. Nothing special. I like the vinaigrette more than I like the salad, but it was, it um, it was fine. You also are brought to your table signature Ohana bread with honey butter. Yeah, um, honey butter was okay. The the Ohana bread was stale. Let me just say it was not fresh. It was not hot out of the oven. It did not, it did not excite. It was just filler. About that same time, you are brought honey coriander chicken wings, actually fairly tasty. You are brought pork dumplings tossed in garlic chili sauce. Yeah, that very tasty, although, you know, it's kind of like what you'd get at a drive-through, payway kind of place. Nothing overwhelming, but hey, I like pork dumplings. Okay, so that's all good. You also It also had a lot of noodles with it. And I think there was some, uh, the Ohana noodles, I think there was, a, and roasted broccolini. There was a big uh, brouhaha that I think they were going toward rice and people made enough fuss about it that the noodles there, noodles are great. But again, I'm just feeling, you know, it's like standard Chinese food fare. Then they bring out the Ohana dinner skillet. Now, I understand if we can't go slicing the meats because of COVID, even though I think COVID's kind of moving on. Maybe not. Go look at Asian numbers, you wonder. But at any rate, notwithstanding, I'm okay with that. They brought out wood-fired grilled teriyaki beef. It was okay. It wasn't, um, it, it felt like it had sat around a little while. They brought out spicy peel and eat shrimp, a uh, big shrimp, but I'm not a fan of peel and eat. And I feel like peel and eat is code word for slow you down in the number you're going to eat. And, and the spicy didn't do anything to the shrimp. Then they had grilled chicken with Polynesian inspired chimichurri sauce. Um, that was grilled chicken on the bone. So the slicing thing off the skewer, I think at least you'd cook it at the fire and, and slice the skewer and then bring it out. But no, none of that happened. And and you're kind of tasting this chicken and thinking, well, I just had the honey coriander chicken wings. What is so special about this other than it's got a chimichurri sauce? And nothing says Polynesian like chimichurri sauce, right? Yeah, any rate, nothing impressed me about that. Uh, the final thing was the Hana bread pudding. Okay, I got to tell you, that was just amazing. Alamode with vanilla ice cream, I believe it was, and homemade caramel sauce. Yeah, I, I they should have brought that out first. That was amazing, amazing, amazing. But if you're, go I would go to, I would go to the bar and just ask for the bread pudding. Maybe some pork dumplings to go as well. I did not... It just did not impress with the, the meat was disappointing. And that's supposed to be the, the signature thing. The other thing is I asked if they had pomegranate lemonade and they said they did. And they brought me out pomegranate lemonade. They didn't mention anything about price, which honestly was mentioned to me when I was over at um, Franz uh, at the Creperie. But Creperie is managed by an outside firm, so maybe I thought that's what's different. Come to find out that on the menu it is, and it is listed on the menu 
as a $5.49 drink. And so, but I didn't realize that until I asked for a refill. Shame on me that I didn't look at the menu. But you know, the menu, it's not like you have a paper menu in hand. And I don't drink alcohol. And the dessert, the meal's all going to be brought out to you. So why are you looking at the, at any rate, should have asked for a Diet Coke, I guess. Uh, that was this point. Though I will say, too, in defense of our server on this, he went ahead and made shift, did a makeshift lemonade because you can't order a lemonade, um, which is free. And he kind of made a raspberry lemonade or something, strawberry lemonade and brought it out, which I thought was pretty cool on his part and effort. Um, but again, it was it, that again, just kind of added to the overall disappointment. Now, a lot of people have made claims in recent years that you feel rushed in this restaurant experience. We ate at around um, seven o'clock in ideal time. And I was never rushed during this entire experience. I thought the timing of it was great and nobody was rushing me. And with less tables, that means less um, uh, gratuities or at least less servers, uh, one of the two. But I, I, um, I'm not hurrying back to Ohana. I, it just didn't fill the need. And I think it will be time for Disney to kind of rethink its menus, especially as it goes into this new edition. And how can you create uh, a new dining experience that, that I, again, I think Ohana would be fine if it just went back to the original roots of its dining experience and did a Brazilian steakhouse with really good food as it did from the beginning when Ronaldo was there. But it has gone downhill and it disappoints. And I can't honestly recommend that as the place to go. If I was going to be around the monorail route loop, I would definitely be going to um, Steakhouse 71 before I went, uh, before I went there. At any rate, lots going on at Disney's Polynesian Resort. Very cool, all of it. And, uh, and so um, I'm excited for the changes and for whatever brings, for whatever new chapter Disney's Polynesian Resort, Village Resort has. I think it is, it is time for improvements and changes and things that will make it better. And I look forward to what that looks like in the days and months to come. Well, that does it for this Disney at Play podcast. So grateful that you joined us. So mahalo to you. Thank you. And please, if you have a chance, check out the Wayfinder Society where we have terrific stuff that supports your experience of all things Disney. Uh, check it out. And again, thank you for being part of this uh, experience here at Disney at Play. We look forward to lots of things, lots of important things to talk about in the days to come, working on those new podcasts and look forward to it, uh, sharing those things with you. In the meantime, always remember in the words of Sinbad Storybook Voyage at Tokyo Disney Sea. yeah, you can search uh, for that podcast too. Uh, always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon. <laughs>